Good morning and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. This show is being recorded, recorded live and will be available within an hour or so as a podcast. We invite anyone listening to the podcast to join us live on Zoom or by phone and share your thoughts and comments on any issues that we discuss. Also, please send any feedback you may have about the show to ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, morning, Jody. Good morning, everybody. Now we get to see on this great intellectual panel how many people's brains work in the morning. (laughs) You know, I kind of like it better because I don't have my kids home to, you know, just disturb me and Mm -hmm. I feel like I can focus more. Okay. Breaking news this morning. We're going to up the uh, standards for you then, Jody. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, wait. I take it back. I haven't finished my coffee yet, so there's that. Okay, I'm going to run through all my favorite stories of the week, which is only about 50, and then we can decide (laughs) which are the most fun to talk about. You have breaking news. That's already old news. It happened 30 minutes ago. Okay. (laughs) The first report was at 931, and it's already like old news. What I happened, happened to log into Twitter and I saw one guy report that Fox News might have reported that Dave Chipman, the massive famous Waco killer nomination for ATF has officially been withdrawn. It was confirmed a few minutes later by Fox and now it's been reported by every news publication in the world, including the Liberty Block. So we finally got in on some breaking news. Congratulations, <laughs> Dave Chipman, one of the most horrible tyrant bastards in the history of humanity who proudly stood on the ashes and rubble of people that he helped kill innocent men, women, and children in Waco, Texas in 1993 under Bill Clinton, has officially been withdrawn. It's good news. It's a rare win for liberty. You know, one in a billion, we get a win. But even the U.S. Senate, which is, again, 95 Democrats and 95 anti-gunners in the U.S. Senate, they knew they didn't have the votes even in the U.S. Senate now, which is good. Now, people are celebrating. I saw everyone, Thomas Massey and every conservative tweeting, NRA taking credit for it. It's good, but the next nominee is still going to be anti-gun. It'll be a Biden anti-gun ATF nominee, and they'll be confirmed. But it is somewhat of a decent win. At least someone lost. So that's great news. Yay. Okay. Right. I'm sure that he'll take it. Biden is going to take that as a challenge to come up with somebody even worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't even put on all of my show notes about Biden saying I'm supposed to end this and walk away now, but I'm going to take questions anyway. Everybody saw that? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty bad. Anyway. That's just difficult yeah, to deal with. didn't go well. Let me run down my COVID stories. Um, Israel planning to administer fourth COVID vaccine. <laughs> Ultra-vaxxed booster-heavy Israel has more COVID infections per capita than any country in the world. Whoops. Fully vaccinated. Wait, did you say ultra-vaxxed? Ultra-vaxxed so Israel. Israel is the most heavily vaxxed country in the world, I believe. Yeah, now they, they have, have the most More COVID infections per capita. Per capita. Fully vaccinated make up 30 to 40% of COVID hospitalizations in Maryland. I don't think Maryland's in Israel. Of course, they're anti-Semites who would argue that, but we'll leave that alone. Georgia Bulldogs football coach, I'm triggered. That's very anti-dog, says his team, which is more than 90% vaxxed, is experiencing the highest spike of COVID. Um, Then there are several stories, the Florida doctor who said she's gonna stop treating unvaccinated patients, a doctor or someone in Australia saying that unvaccinated are going to be denied medical services in Australia. 
That is absolutely mind boggling. There is some pushback against that. Thank God. I have you to know. interrupt and make you regret inviting me on the podcast. I don't know why you invited me. Um, a few things. Well, about the latest. Probably because you own Liberty Block. Yeah. You still couldn't invite me to ruin your podcast because you had a good thing going for like 64 weeks. Anyway, a few things about a doctor saying that they won't treat unvaccinated because they clearly did it to themselves. People don't realize most diseases, and I've heard this about um, you know diabetes and other diseases and smoking and cancer, nine, around 90% of diseases, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I know you know this because you research um, heart disease a lot, 90% of diseases are literally caused by the people. Some genetics might play a part, but heart disease, the number one killer, mostly caused by people. Obesity, bad eating habits, not exercising, uh, smoking causes cancer and COPD and pneumonia, uh, diabetes, hypertension. It's mostly caused by behaviors. Very few diseases are totally genetic. Maybe CF, uh, maybe taste. Excuse me, excuse me. One second, one second. I need to refute what you said, even though you're a medical expert for the show. Back in the 1980s, there was a disease called HIV slash AIDS, and that was conclusively proven to have nothing to do with behaviors. Nothing to do with behavior. No, no. Not nothing reasons. whatsoever. But you're probably yeah. right about all the other diseases. But, but anyway, what I wanted to say, the reason I interrupted is when you said all those Corona fascism stories, again, the reason I'm a genius and the self-proclaimed best author in the world is I said all this in my book that I, I published like six months ago. I, I said all of these things. I said exactly what would happen with moving the goalposts, Delta variant. You can get all the vaccines in the world. They're going to keep moving the goalposts and saying, well, everyone's vaccinated with two, three, four trillion shots now, a booster every two minutes. But we're still having breakthrough cases because a new variant. They're going to blame the new variants. I said this months ago in my book. I called all this. They're going to blame new variants and they're going to blame unvaccinated, disgusting heathens like you five over here. They're going to blame you guys for the, the you know, continuance of the pandemic. I said all this so long ago, and this is why I am you know, the self-proclaimed smartest author yes, in the world. Yes, the problem is that when you're ahead of the curve by too much, nobody believes you. And that's always, can I at least finish my COVID stories, if not all the other <laughs> stories? Thank you. Here's a good story, which we're going to get to our resident attorney about in a few minutes. Judge dismisses unvaccinated juror in a fraud trial. Boy, is that going to have all kinds of ramifications. Now, we have physician sounds the alarm, 12,000 plus deaths from vaccines in eight months. Then we have the people fighting against taking the vaccines, nearly 6,000 Greek hospital workers suspended for not getting vaccine. I assume those are non-medical. Yeah, right. New York City Teachers Union taking legal action against call for layoffs of unvaccinated staff. That's a good one because that's coming from the left. Nearly 60,000 signed petition against mandatory vaccination of teachers. More than 200 Seattle police officers face firing over vaccine mandate. I think those are the same ones that'll throw us out physically for many um, business if we're not vaccinated and can't prove it. Um, Oregon State Trooper suspended for posting his thoughts on vaccine, which is another cop who's getting in trouble. And I'm just going to touch back again on the ivermectin stories, and then I will yield the floor to everybody who has something actually intelligent to say. The fight against ivermectin is getting so out of control, they're now saying it causes sterilization in 85% of men. Now, since we know they've been complaining about population getting smaller in America, it must be because all of these people have been taking ivermectin the last few years since it won a Nobel, Peace, Nobel Prize for medicine. 85% of men, folks, you know what this is doing to my stock in vasectomy companies? 
If all you have to do is take ivermectin, I don't have to invest in that anymore. Um, Daniel Horowitz is claiming the CDC endorsed the use of ivermectin, but only for people coming from Africa, which I don't even want to go there. Um, and Africa believe, or Afghanistan? Um, both. I think both. it was both. All kinds of countries, except for America. Here's another story for you, Ed, because I think you mentioned this last week. I'm not sure. An attorney in Ohio asking, why doesn't this fall under the right to try, if nothing else? And then there's another story. I brought that up last week. Well, because, I brought that up last week. Sorry. Oh, it's you, Mike. I'm sorry. I thought it was Ed. Okay, I'm taking the credit from Ed and giving it to Mike. There's another story saying that Pfizer's coming up with a new daily pill to fight COVID, which apparently has as one of its main, um, what's not activities, what's the word? One of the ways, one of the ways it works is the same way as ivermectin. And my final story is the poor press getting absolutely trounced on for that ridiculous hoax that gunshot victims are all waiting in line. They can't get into hospitals because so many people are dying from horse dewormers, except for the picture they took was people lining up for something totally not. Yeah, Bongino destroyed them the other day. It may have been they were lining up for Gone with the Wind back in the day. Okay, I'm going to let everybody comment on my 5,000 stories, and I apologize. Giddy up. I want to hear the Bongino stories. I mean, Alu. Sorry, go ahead. Mike, I'm going to try to refrain from making too many horse long references throughout the show. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say that all, all those stories are COVID and COVID fascism is probably the issue of the day, but there are a ton of other things going on. I mean, the removal of the statue of Rich uh, of Robert E. Lee in Virginia, uh, the California recall election is coming up. Right. Um, oh, I got lots more stories and I'm just, I just want to comment on the COVID stories. And I forgot one more that I definitely want to mention, and we will get to every story. We've got lots and I want to get everybody to chime in. There's a four-year-old piano prodigy who lost her Carnegie Hall debut because she can't get vaccinated because you're not allowed to vaccinate four-year-olds. I can't, you know, Jody, I said something to you before the show about logic. My head, if I still had one, is exploding. She's not allowed to get the vaccination. She would be on stage, I assume, 30, 40 feet from anybody else, but she's going to be denied this opportunity. We're being denied the opportunity to watch the super genius so we're going to get to all the other stories. But that's nothing. Online students who only take online classes are being forced to vaccinate. Just like the Zoom meetings, they're being forced to wear masks. It is 100% virtue signaling and about compliance and beating you into obedience. Nothing to do with health. Right. I mean, unvaccinated is the new black, right? I mean, this is, this is Jim Crow all over again. We're, we're dealing with segregation for the, perp- for the, for the sake of segregation. There's no public health issue. for segregation. Can we separate? Alu, I'm all for separation. You, let's go persecution. Beyond Literally. I, it's persecution. <laughs> right. Oh, well, right. I mean, the that problem might be a better separation, word. The problem with separation is we would need to build a wall and we would need to keep them out. I mean, as long as, I mean, the, the only real solution is to defeat these people. We can't coexist with them, even in a separate country. Because they're gonna they're gonna attack us the same way the Taliban attack us, and I don't mean that hyperbolically. I mean that literally. They are terrorists. They want to hate. They hate us, and they want to kill us. And happy. I mean, you look they, at another story that that Steve didn't mention, and you know, related to COVID is what's going on in Australia. 
I mean, they're they're trying to starve people to death there, and they're trying to, you know, if you're not if you're not willing to cave in to their dictatorship, they're going to put you in a camp. Unfortunately, they're winning. They're winning right now. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. When the state secedes, literally, they like vaccine passports and checking papers now. Now the Democrats are the party of checking papers. The state should secede and literally say, we're going to check you before you enter the state. And if you are Democrat party registered or vote for Democrats or anything like that or have Biden stickers, we're not going to let you in. It's that simple. Yeah. And I mean, if a Republican state did that, that'd be interesting. I mean, to add to the COVID stories, apparently uh, Governor Murphy here in New Jersey is threatening the teacher's licenses of any teacher is unvaxxed or doesn't wear a mask. So, I mean, that's just another example where they're threatening everybody's livelihood. So it's like they have the, their, your arm behind your back and they're twisting it until you, you surrender. Well, the reason that I'm emphasizing those stories of pushback is the only prayer, as I've said before, is when the left fights back. So when teachers unions, which own this country, fight back, that at least gives us, yeah. use the expression, gives us a, gives us a shot. I do think that there are teachers fighting back. There's somebody that I know that's a lawyer in New Jersey who is working on a case right now. And I know she's gotten a lot of people that have been emailing her and looking to sign on to being on those lawsuits. So we'll see where it goes. <laughs> I don't know. Though, for me, uh, almost. Isn't Dr. Jill a teacher? Sorry? Isn't the Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Jill Biden, isn't she a teacher? I don't know what she is. You've got a master's in education, and I believe she's. Mm. I just think that all these examples of, of leftists fighting back, like the teachers union or the police union, I have zero sympathy for those people because those are the people more than anyone who are responsible for all these mandates. And I mean, I'm not going to go and join the side of the of the mandates, but I listen to those objections and I think you guys deserve what you're getting. And I have no sympathy for them. I don't, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't lift a finger to help them. So I have to make a comment about this show. One guy on the show talks for 20 minutes and says very little. One, one person on the show says 30 words and came up with two great points already. Now I'll leave it to our listeners to decide which was which. That was a great point, Ed. Thank you. I'm going to take that as multiple compliments for me. <laughs> oh, once again, that's a great point, Ed. And, you know, I don't know how often we can say to them, this is what you voted for. And they'll never, I don't think they'll ever get it. Well, not just voted for. I mean, this is, I mean, just look in the culture. They're, they're the ones who are demanding that the police do, you know, that the police enforce COVID restrictions, but not against, you know, Black Lives Matter. They're the ones who are, you know, the teachers are the ones who shut the schools down for over a year. The teachers are the ones, the teachers unions are the ones who, who are who demanded all sorts of nonsensical, unrelated, you know, things not related to health uh, uh, requirements before they would come back into the schools. They're the ones who ignored, you know, the, the teachers unions, are the ones who have ignored all the science relating to how impervious this virus is to children, or at least at least what it was. Um, so when they complain about what's going on and they complain about the unfairness, I mean, they got paid all last year, right? I mean, people lost their jobs. I lost my job. Lots of people have lost their jobs. 
they didn't lose their jobs. They got paid in full and they got to work from home. And, and then they go and they set the terms for what, when they will come back to work. I mean, I just, I have no sympathy for them whatsoever. They're, they're, they're so out of touch with reality that uh, to me, let them be bitten by reality. It doesn't, they don't, they don't garner any sympathy for me. Okay. I totally agree with you. So it's I'm fascinating. Segue, I'm segue to science just for one minute, just so I can shoehorn this story in here. I don't know whether to laugh or cry that the left is upset that what's going on with Texas's new abortion law is a war against woman, women at the exact time they're saying that you're not allowed to say only women can get pregnant. And I know <laughs> AOC apparently just got in trouble for saying menstruating person describing, but they're literally saying that you're yeah. not allowed to say only women can get pregnant while they're literally saying this is a war against women. How in the world, how do we win this? They're throwing us a slow curveball. We should be able to knock it out of the park. Help me I'll out. Do you one better? Jen Psaki the other day when asked by, I think, a conservative reporter, she's got upset. You know, they were asked about the Texas abortion law and, and pretty much the guy mm -hmm. was asking Jen Psaki to defend killing babies, even in second, third, maybe even fourth trimester because that's what they love doing. And Jen Psaki got really visibly angry and said, you don't, you've never had to make a good decision. You're a man, you can't get pregnant. And I'm like, you can't say that anymore. Men can't yeah, get no, pregnant. seriously. You're hell for saying it, but 100%, you're right. And how do you combat when they're, you talk about double speak? Help me guys. That's, well, this is, this is, uh, this is MOS. This is standard modus operandi for them, isn't it? I mean, this is not unusual. This is how they function. They are absolutely oblivious to contradictions, hypocrisy, as Ed says, probably none of it's hypocrisy. It's, it, if you, if, it, you know, I find it fascinating because I can't understand how grown adults today can be that and maybe it's just because they're so um is it blinded by hatred or is it rapaciously greedy i mean maybe it's a little bit of both but that grown adults can be so oblivious to reality at this uh, so many of them i can't understand it and i totally understand being manipulated by media i was i confessed to that but at some point you start to notice inconsistencies and hypocrisies and things that don't add up logically, things that don't um, mirror reality and you start to question the fact that there are so many adults that don't, I find it absolutely fascinating. I can't understand it. Is it evil? Is it stupidity? Like I said, or is it blind? Blind hatred coupled with rapacious greed. Jody, I hate to do this, but I'm going to channel you. I believe the point that you make most often on this show is the cultural point. And it hits me yeah. thinking about it. We have literally dumbed down the culture so far into Orwellian territory that they are no longer bothered by the absolute blatant, flagrant contradictions. It literally is Orwellian. They are able to say two things that, isn't that what doublespeak was? Two things that were the exact opposite 
and not be bothered by it? And is that really where yeah. we've gotten? They don't well, see it. Like I said, you know, the left invested in cultural capture for decades while we were kind of asleep at the wheel. And I was participating in it because, you know, I thought that was, I thought the left was the logical intellectuals, the academicians, the, I thought they truly did care about science. I thought they were the intellectually evolved, you know, tolerant, peaceful. I mean, I was completely wrong. It was exactly the opposite of that, but how so many people can't sort of pick up on those moments of, well, that doesn't make sense. I, I get buying into it. I don't get to the extreme that people are proving to buy into it. So I haven't read I the purpose in a while, but isn't that where they got to in 1984? Huh? Wasn't that the level that they got to in 1984 of no longer hearing statements? The contradiction. contradiction. Well, I think, I mean, I think that the purpose of this level of irrationality has to be to distract. And, and I think that the, the, the thing they want to distract from, certainly from the right and yeah. maybe even from themselves, is that the Texas law basically is a is the right using a leftist tactic that the that the left used to just uses to destroy the country um and what i mean by that is the the texas law deputizes private individuals to do things that the government can't do and the left on i don't know if this is a conscious response or it may just be a visceral unconscious response they are apoplectic about it. They, they have used, you know, for instance, you know, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act to deputize Facebook and social media companies to do, to do the kind of censorship that would unquestionably be unallowed for the government to do itself. And the, the Republicans in Texas have basically done the same thing. They have they've created a law where there's no mechanism for the state to enforce it but the, that the law itself deputizes private citizens to enforce the, the abortion restriction. And I, I, I don't think the left is, is, I mean, the left depends upon this level of fogginess and imprecision. So I don't think that they're consciously saying, oh, they're doing what we do and we're pissed off. But I think it's sort of like how Trump, I mean, it, it's, they, they're just, they recognize the danger. They don't, they can't put it into words, but they recognize the danger. And they don't, they know that there's no, there's no response to it. There's no, you know, they can't make a principled argument against it because it's what they do all the time. And I think that's, what's really so bothersome to them about it. Um, I think that the vaccine situation makes clear that they're willing to jettison my body, my choice on a dime. They, th this is not about protecting a woman's right to abortion. This is about the right taking an argument or, or a, not an argument, but a, a method that the left uses and making it the right's own. And that is what makes them apoplectic about it. Uh, I, I don't think, I mean, we, we didn't talk about this case last week and I, I'll just say that 
I think that the right has a lot of false hope about what ha- what the Supreme Court did. Um, all the Supreme Court said was, because we don't know which private individuals are going to enforce this law, we can't issue an injunction because we can't issue a, a, a an undefinable injunction. We've got to enjoin specific people, so we can't enjoin it now. But you know, once somebody tries to enforce the law, there's no doubt in my mind that this is going to be struck down. Um, Okay, so are we going to deem that irrelevant like the left does with gun laws? When the Supreme Court says something about gun control and the leftist states ignore it, again, are we going to take from their playbook? Almost no conservative has the spine to stand up to them. I don't think this would be the hill to do it on either. I mean, this is, you know, Roe v. Wade is a bad decision, um, but... I, I, think I think that what I'm sorry, go ahead. Roby, you, you said, finish Jody. your thought. I just started, but you finish your thought. Sorry. Oh, I mean, Roe is Roe is, is bad constitutional law, but um, I, I think maybe this is just me being a lawyer and trying to think strategically. I, I think that the, the this case gives the gives the Supreme Court the opportunity to, to lay the groundwork for really coming after big tech and for saying that when the government does deputize private citizens, those private citizens are still government actors. And they can strike down this Texas law in such a way that it becomes obvious that Section 230 is going to be got to be stricken down too. And I, I think that that's, if the right were smart, and if the right is smart, we would focus on that. Um, whether we're going to or not, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of false hope that I see, especially here in North Carolina, over the the apparent victory in the Supreme Court. But I don't think it's a victory. I think it was it, it was just a procedural victory. That's not going to be a substantive victory in the end. You know, um, I agree with you. First of all, the, the Supreme Court victory in this case means absolutely nothing. But what's interesting to me, and I don't have the time to really follow it is in Florida and seemingly in other states, there's this fight now about who's running things. So you have like DeSantis bans mask mandates, localities say we're gonna do them anyway, judges rule in both directions. And it's almost like there's this vacuum of power waiting for someone to assert who's really in charge. You follow what I'm trying to say? Yeah, did DeSantis do it by executive order or did he get a state? I, I thought he had a, a bill from the legislature, did he not? I, I don't even know, but what, what, what seems to be happening is I don't recall ever before so many levels of government and branches of government, one after the other, asserting that they're the ones who make the decisions. And I don't know if this is a good thing, a bad thing, a chaotic thing, but it's, it's almost- very often. Every day it changes. It happens often that cities, towns, and counties have conflicting opinions on the law with the states. And, and most states are home rule, and New Hampshire is Dylan's rule. In New Hampshire, towns and cities have no power. It's all about the state. In states like Florida, it is home rule, so localities can make some decisions. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it's not the first one. There have been tons of battles all over. This is no, a very but what I'm one. saying is this constant. One day a judge says this, the next day a judge says that, and people are going against them in each direction. So I don't think there's ever been such a quick back and forth of what the rule is. That, that's what I'm saying. I think part of it is we're in such an unprecedented time where, 
we don't have good faith arguments going on, right? I mean, we're not, this isn't a situation where we have two people who have different conceptions of what a republic is or what, you know, what a Republican government is. We've got one side that's just trying to ram through an agenda without it being a Republican form of government as Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution requires. And we know they're being disingenuous because they keep saying DeSantis banned masks. He's saying you can't wear a mask or get a vaccine. No, he banned the forcing of wearing masks. He says individuals can and should wear masks if they want to, but government officials should not use guns to force people to wear masks for the, at the threat of killing them. Very big difference. Alu, was that done by executive order or was that a statute that the legislature passed? I don't remember if it was a bill or executive order, but he never banned masks. That's the important thing. Right. Well, you know, somebody shared that story this week about this New York County. Ed, do you remember the story that declared themselves constitutional? Yes, a a sanctuary for constitutional rights. So I've been calling for that for you know, months on this show that, you know, that local Republican and conservative counties and localities need to just say, we're going to enforce the constitution as written here. And we don't care what, what the state capital says. We don't care what Washington DC says. We don't care what the Supreme court says. Remember a third of counties in the United States are already um, gun rights sanctuaries. So that's, is it that many? I I think it was a third, two thirds. It is very high. Um, I guess in a state like New York, what's going to happen? So the county is basically ordering its employees not to enforce anything that they see as unconstitutional, right? That's sort of what's happening. Right. Now, can the state send in its people to enforce whatever it wants? Sort of like, you know, in New York City, because of the fight between de Blasio and our ex-governor Cuomo, we have state troopers who patrol the highways in New York City, which is pretty much unheard of. And it happened as a result of a personal spat between the two. Maybe it'll stop now that Cuomo's gone, but what's to stop the state from going into the county and enforcing whatever they want? Well, you're gonna need the sheriff's office to have their sheriff's deputies prepared to to use force if necessary. Against state troopers. If if necessary, I mean, New York is sort of a weird state because you have the the really very deep blue liberal cities like New York and Albany and Syracuse and Buffalo and Rochester. But the the vast majority of the state is actually pretty conservative and things like gun rights are pretty respected outside the big cities. So I'm not sure what the what the state would look to try and enforce. Uh, Maybe maybe it would be. Uh, transporting illegal aliens into those uh, localities. Uh, I don't know, but um, it will be up to the local law enforcement to say, hell no, you can't do this here. Generally, generally speaking, to me, it's just interesting to watch the different levels of government seemingly more than before in this constant struggle back and forth. And I, I, well, that's what Madison was hoping for. Okay. That was the whole purpose of our of, of the way our government was set up in the first place, that each different level of government would jealously guard its powers and its authorities. So but, that's but in that sense that the system is working. Don't I, I agree with that, but don't states have more latitude in enforcing their laws? Obviously, in a federal system where the states are supposed to have much more power, 
uh, and the federal government has usurped a lot of it. It's a different scenario in the states, you know, versus, uh, you know, states versus localities and counties. The state has much more latitude, in my view, in terms of enforcing their laws. Well, but the, the locality can basically say you either go full on totalitarian or F off. I mean, there's a limit to how much force the state is going to use, I think. Now, maybe someone like Governor Whitmer in Michigan, maybe someone like Governor Newsom in California. Uh, those people seem so power hungry that maybe they would go and, and try and enlist you know, the full force of the state to go after them. I don't get the sense that the new New York governor is going to do that. Maybe Phil Murphy would try that in places like Hunterdon County or Ocean County, you know, or Warren County in New Jersey. But, um, you know, I, I think that it's up to the local people to take a stand. I mean, that's, you know, you're not going to be free if you let them run over your rights. That's the bottom line. Yeah. The good news is that cops are still local. Like, Obviously, I'm not the biggest fan of cops in the world, but they're still local. So it's, it's a town, city, police, local sheriffs. So if there's a really terrible thing from the state, they may choose not to enforce it. Now, again, as we've all been saying, we all agree, eventually in a few years, it'll be a 100% federal police force, meaning there will be less community-oriented policing. They won't care about their particular communities. It'll all be federal, and they'll be sent to various offices, paid millions of dollars for being away from home, and we'll have federal people from D.C., being the local police enforcing day-to-day activities, traffic stops, and so on, all over the entire United States, and we'll have less of a bond. Right now, I know my local police officers. I know my chief. We only have like 30 cops in our town. I don't know them all personally. I, I do know the chief. And, and, you know, we have some community. So if there's a federal law passed, they may or may not choose, you know, to enforce it. Whereas once it's all federalized, again, it all comes down to localities. Going back to the Texas argument, I had some stuff before I forget about it. One a lawyer here in New Hampshire told me, because I thought it was a weird the way they did the Texas law, creating a weird private cause of action instead of criminal penalties for abortion. And one person privately sues and then they get a, a fine. That was really weird. And I thought it wouldn't hold up uh, constitutionally in courts, obviously. But I think a lawyer here explained that they did that purposely because it was the only way to get around Roe v. Wade and maybe actually allow the law to to survive. Of course, I've forgotten his argument, but he, he did explain it to me and I understood it at the point now. The, the, my final point about Texas is we already see state secession. As you know, things are heating up in New Hampshire. A lot of like a dozen state reps are on board with a secession, uh, a bill or a CACR we're going to propose in a few days. And there's a lot of support for it in New Hampshire already. But states are, again, by saying that Texas is crazy, you know, not allowing women to abort. I think Washington State or Oregon, one of those states, or multiple states actually, and a lot of leftists are already boycotting Texas. Tons of people are, are leftists are saying, I'm never going to visit Texas, never going to buy any product that has a company headquartered in Texas, which apparently is 7-Eleven and a lot of big companies have headquarters in Texas. And obviously a lot of tech is moving to Austin. They want to boycott us, which we know they've been doing boycotts forever. And they want to secede. Also, you have leftist commentators on like CNN or something urging the federal government to send in doctors to go kill babies in Texas. So again, we're seeing what better way to get Texans to support secession than saying we're going to send in federal doctors or deputized doctors or send in federal agents to go kill babies in Texas. Um, again, this secession thing is happening every day. There's more and more reason to secede. Of course, we've published an article, 75 reasons, 74 reasons why New Hampshire should divorce DC and every state should leave DC. So again, everything comes back to secession. Let me just throw something else out about the Texas law, about why I think it's such a bad law and bad idea. 
if, if the Texas law could work to ban abortion, the left could pass a law that would allow private individuals to sue, you know, any, you know, to get around Citizens United, for instance. You know, if somebody wants to make a, you know, if Citizens United wants to make a movie criticizing Hillary Clinton, well, you know, the government won't ban it, but we'll allow private individuals to sue for $10,000 damages anytime a, a movie like that is released. We'll allow private citizens to sue for $10,000 damages anytime there's a hate crime, you know, there's hate speech, right? All sorts of things that we, we look at and we say, well, the, pri- the, the, the government can't ban certain things. The left is going to weaponize that against us and they're going to- You're right. And let them do it in leftist states. New Jersey and New York will and let them do it. And Texas can do that. And, you know, every state, again, states are supposed to be sovereign and have their own values and laws and everything and let that happen. Again, let states choose. Well, but yeah, I mean, are I'll states lose. supposed to be allowed to violate your rights? The, the, I don't know what to make of that because every state considers different. Again, we have fundamentally different values. According to leftists, the number one most important human right is the right to abort a baby. According to conservatives, the most important right is the right to free speech and religion and worship and gun rights. According to libertarians, the most important right is property rights. We have fundamentally different views of what we think are the most important things in humanity. If, if I have 100% polar opposite views from you, we can't coexist. If I think that people above you know, five foot eight have to be put to death and you believe people above below five foot six have to be put to death, we can't coexist in the same household. It's literally not going to work. We have to divorce. That, Unless we just um, squeeze ourselves to be five foot seven. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Jody? No, I was just going to say, I don't know if you guys saw it, but in, in response to the Texas law, Biden said, that's un-American. And, you know, echoing what Alu just said, um, you know, states are supposed to be sovereign. So technically it's, absolutely American that the states be able to decide these things. But here we are back to where leftists are inconsistent and hypocrites and whatever. But Again, states are, so, states are supposed to decide things, but states also have constitutions. They're so, still supposed to, as Ed said, respect our, our natural rights. They're not supposed to trample all over them either. Well, I mean, I missed 30 seconds, I apologize, but according to the left, your most basic natural right is abortion. That's and what I just said. That's you missed that. Alu said that. Right, no, I know he said it. And when I hear, I, I heard somebody <laughs> on TV or somewhere the other day, they rant about how dare they touch on the most fundamental, the most fundamental constitutional right. That it's Article one in the constitution, right for God's sake, abortion, the right to abortion. abortion. So, I mean, what they do with that, if, and again, I always say we should use their exact words and their exact tones when it comes to Heller and that basic right. So saying that states still have to protect your constitutional rights, the left makes up what your constitutional rights are and aren't. So how does that help our argument? But I agree with Ed and Mike in that states have constitutions. Well, the one point they make often is that states shouldn't trample rights. And, you know, with, with um, uh, Brown v. Board of Ed or, or Plessy Ferguson or whatever, sending in troops into, into a school in uh, Arkansas or whatever to break up segregation, you know, the federal government maybe should, if someone's violating rights, other states or international, other nations violating rights, maybe we should go in and save the people. But, but as far as like states shouldn't violate your rights and states do have constitutions. 
So even the California Constitution, I'm sure right now, says people have property rights and gun rights, but, I, but they should amend it. California, I encourage them to have a constitutional convention or pass a ballot measure, amend the Constitution and say, we are a socialist republic of California, ideally independent of the United States. We're a socialist republic. We, we recognize no gun rights, no property rights. We're totally socialist. They should at least be uh, transparent and amend their Constitution, and then, then they'll be in line with their Constitution. Well, I, you know, I've argued against the 14th Amendment, and or not against it, but that the 14th Amendment has done a lot of unforeseen harm. But if it has any merit whatsoever, it's that the Bill of Rights is incorporated against and, and applies to the states. So I, I, I think that I don't think states have absolute authority to do whatever they want without respect to the rights of the people. Um, and I think that the Bill of Rights should apply to the states. And I think the four, if the 14th Amendment has any legitimate function, it's to, in, to apply the Bill of Rights to the states. And the Bill of Rights includes the Ninth Amendment, which says that unenumerated rights are still rights. It doesn't have to be listed in the Bill of Rights for you to have that freedom. Um, so how that gets played out in, in the real world is, is you know, it's problematic and, it, and it's difficult to, to you know, I, I think that, I think it's difficult to say what, you know, what are our rights when, you know, the whole point of the Ninth Amendment was to say that they can't all be listed um, or enumerated as the language goes. But um, I, I do think that uh, having a state like California, just to make the declarations you said, Alu, I, I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think that's consistent with the current federal constitution and even pre-14th Amendment, like I, like I mentioned earlier, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution guarantees to each state a Republican form of government. And to create a socialist government or a government that rules by executive order and decree, as we're having during COVID, to me, flagrantly violates that provision of the Constitution. Oh, it could still be a Republican form of government, but they would just have taxes of 90% and ban guns, and they would pass bills and everything. Um, my, my big question for you is, I, in in keeping with the theme of, you know, the 14th Amendment and incorporating, which I still don't really understand or support, but considering that, you know, the federal government, it applies to every state and all that, would you support or at what point would you no longer support sending in people from D.C. to California to force them to live by our values? Let them be leftist wackos and or secede. And that way, when they're in power, maybe they, obviously they wouldn't reciprocate if we're nice to them, but they shouldn't send in troops to New Hampshire to force us to, you know, allow for abortions and gun control, and we shouldn't force our values on them. Again, I fought them for years, and we've all fought them for decades. Let I've given up. Let them live their own way. Let California be a disgusting the hell. The problem with that, though, is that we have free travel, and that you can go from state to state, and you can move from state to state. I mean, if they want to be sovereign, if you want to have sovereign countries, you know, let's build walls around each of the 50 states and, and keep people out. But that's not the system that we have right now, and it's not the system that was contemplated. Wow, this is, this is a great debate that we could really get into the thick, thick of secession and go into this whole issue of why is anybody bound by a constitution signed by your great, 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 great. And I would even make the argument that we have no more right to impose our values on California than we do in Afghanistan, and it worked out really well in Afghanistan, so it's not going to work out in California. And I also think your argument, Ed, then says that just like we could send in national troops to force blacks into white schools, we can send in national troops to force people 
to be able to have abortions. And I think Alu's right in the sense we do not share values on the most basic ways we do not share values. And at some point we have to stop thinking we can force them on other people because some judge said the 14th Amendment does such a thing. And by the way, the last thing I remember is the 14th Amendment was not brought about democratically. It was shoved down people's throat, as far as I remember correctly. So I don't see that that's any less colonializing than anything outside of our borders. Oh, I mean, it was it was ratified according to the process in the Constitution. What do you mean it was forced down people's throats? Oh, it wasn't with Lincoln holding a gun to the head of the southern states. That's how I remember it. Lincoln was dead. Um, the North forced those amendments down the state, the throats of the southern states, didn't it? Didn't they say, like, you can't be part of the U.S. if you don't ratify it, um, but also you can't be independent because we'll kill you? Yes, that, that's sort of how I remember it. Not that I was there. So yeah, It's like a husband telling his spouse, I don't, you better not leave. I'm leaving you. You better not leave or I'll kill you, but you can't come back in the house. I'll kill you. I but mean, I'm having, I'm having a lot of trouble with the fact that a union is perpetual since no union in any free society, by definition, can be perpetual. I have a right to quit this show. I have a right to quit my marriage. I have a right to leave my country. It is impossible to say that no one ever has a right to change the value system. It just goes against all of human freedom. So why do we have a right to force our values on California any more than they have a right to force their values on us? Why? And that's only touching on one of like the three main points in Lysander Spooner's book, No Treaties in the Constitution of No Authority. The other main points that I'm going to try to sum up in a second here, we should all read the book. It's very short. I think I have a copy and it's on YouTube for free, the audiobook. The point is that the Constitution is null and void because, number one, it was obviously not 100% consensual, meaning it was forced by a majority of the delegates. There was only a few delegates, like a few dozen, of you know forcing the other millions to sign this contract forever. But the second thing is that it bound posterity of descendants, like you said, born 200 years later or immigrating in 200 years later. It bound them. I can, I can bind myself with a contract to you saying, I work for Ed and Mike, and I'm going to do the show every week for this certain amount of money. I cannot bind my grandchild to work for Ed's grandchild. That contract, and if I'm correct, as far as contract law and international common law of contract law, that I can't bind my grandson to be your slave forever. My grandson being not even a minor, maybe you could bind a minor child maybe to a contract, but someone not even born yet, there's zero chance I would believe that you could bind a great, 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 great grandchild to a contract. And the only argument pro-constitution type uh, status have is that it's a contract. You can't sign a contract for 200 years. So it's the perpetual- Why can't you sign a contract for 200 years? Property rights. What's that? Why can't you sign a contract for 200 years? I mean, without the 13th Amendment, which is part of the constitution that you say has no authority, without the 13th Amendment, how do you, what, what's the barrier to, to the contract you're talking about? Well, I'm saying basic humanity, basic contract law and, and internationally recognized basic uh, ob- objective morals and laws. Does, Everyone agrees. Does everybody agree? Law. Does everybody agree that slavery is wrong? I mean, when I look no, in the real but, world, but, I don't see that agreement. But you, no, but I would think, again, w- would you disagree? Would you say that you could bind your grandchild? If, if, all right. If your great grandfather said that the Maslishes are slaves to the Axelmans, you'd respect that contract signed 100 years ago? I wouldn't respect it. I wouldn't say so. But there are there are societies and people in the world that do. Very few. And I'm not part of that. There are societies that also marry seven-year-old girls, and I'm not part of that society. Right. But the point that that's not the issue. The the issue isn't, do you agree with it? The issue is, do we have a right to to force them to change? 
It's not about the force. The force is being used against me. The Constitution is being used to steal half my money and steal 99% of my liberty because they said that my great-great-great-great-grandfather, theoretically, if he would have lived in the U.S., he didn't, but if he would have lived here, didn't sign a contract, but his delegates to the Constitutional Convention, theoretically representing him by one in a billion by not even a vote of any kind, signed I mean, a contract to the, the Constitution well, in 1789. When he, swore to, when he swore his acceptance and allegiance to citizenship, he accepted that contract. But he, but he couldn't accept, accept it for his great grandchild. He can't. It doesn't. It really makes very little sense to accept a contract for posterity. Can I sign my great grandchildren up for the draft? Hell no. Well, according to our current laws, you can and you do. No, we can't. How, how can I possibly do that? If I go now to the draft board and I say, here, I'm signing up my great-grandchild who's going to be born in 60 years, does that give them the right to come collect him based on what I sign? Of course not. Go try to use no. your great-great-grandchild's income as collateral for a house and see what happens. It's BS. We all know it's BS. No, it's really... Unless you're the federal lives. government. What? It's BS unless you're the federal government. The federal government... Might makes right. I've been trying to say that all day. Might, Might makes, makes right. right. And, and it worked out really good in Afghanistan. At a certain point, we, we have to admit that we do not agree on very, very fundamental things. And either we're going to kill each other. Um, you know, I was right. That rally is on September 18th to free the political prisoners that were um, imprisoned for January 6th, insurrection and sedition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I also saw there was a story this week, and I'm not following it closely, but apparently one of them was let out of jail and is back in jail because he watched Mike Lindell's symposium. I got issues. I heard something about that. What is that all about? I didn't get the deeds. I'm surprised they didn't jail him for sleeping on my pillow. But I just, I'm having a lot of trouble with the January 6th political prisoners, how everybody is innocent until proven guilty. Look at New York City right now, where literally you arrest somebody, you process them for three hours. By the time you're finished, they're out on the street, except for the January 6th people who are political prisoners forever and ever and ever and they can't shave, and they can't this, and they can't that. Apparently, even habeas corpus doesn't apply, and that's even without Lincoln being around to do it. We're all presumed guilty. Right, we're all it's presumed guilty. Socialist authoritarian Republic of America, we're all presumed and guilty. And somebody- will come out soon, hopefully. Somebody <laughs> was led out on the condition that he doesn't talk to people who talk against the election or something. So because he watched Mike Lindell's symposium in August, they put him back in jail. I think we're, we're so far down slippery slopes of hate crimes and thought crimes that to me, this Crazy. is how do you jail an innocent person because he listened to Mike Lindell? And even if Mike Lindell, crime is the thought crime, the crime, that's the crime. Well, the crime he's a Trump supporter. It is it is so unbelievably scary how we've gotten to this point. And by the way, according to the left, these are fundamental things that we need to be punished for breaking. And we don't have a right to separate ourselves as a state or as a society or jurisdiction or anything. I really hope Congress passes a law saying every registered Republican has to go to prison for 10 years to be educated. It's that simple. Because short of that, I don't think even 5% of Republicans in the United States are going to support leaving the United States, leaving D.C., and, and cutting ties with the federal government. They're so ingrained, the worship of the flag, it has to be 50. 50 is a round number, it's prime or whatever. We, it has to be 50. Well, I, actually, love I love the federal government. I love them. That's absolutely not true. 
because they're trying desperately to add two more states. So it's interesting that 50 is the perfect number you can't subtract from, but they have no problem adding Puerto Rico and DC to it. So I suspect though, I I suspect that when the fraud of next, next week's California recall election comes to bear, I think that people on the right are going to start. I don't want to say start, you know, calling Alu every morning, but I think that that's going to that's going to wake some people up. I mean, I'm not following. What do you mean? What I you mean that Gavin Newsom is so unpopular and the fraud is being so in our, in our face before it happens that Republicans are going to realize that there's no such thing as a free and fair election anymore and that there's no way that there's no political solution to this problem because the Democrats are going to cheat. From your mouth to God's ears. What? People realize that we should lose faith in elections. Again, I never had faith in elections, really. And now I have even less faith. But people, again, people say we need to restore integrity in elections. And again, me being a uh, lifespaner, a spooner, acolyte, and a voluntarist, I say, no, we need to lose faith in elections 100%. And once <laughs> everyone stops voting at 100%, realizes government's illegitimate on its face, then we can have real freedom. But yeah, people saying we need to restore you know, integrity in elections and faith. No, I'm glad everyone's losing faith in elections. Right, the well, is I suspect that there's going to be a, lo- a large loss of faith in elections next week. God, I hope so. I'm not optimistic about it, but I hope so. By the way, I'm not putting any of my hard-earned money on that election because I have no way to predict. I want to touch on one more very, very serious story, and then I want to get to the big story of the day, which, which really deserves discussion. The serious story, and I, we may be enforcing this on Liberty Block. Um, I'll, can you take off your hat and show it to the camera a minute? Okay, so that is going to be illegal. And a matter of fact, all of our backgrounds are going to be illegal. They have now decided capitalization is oppression. As a sign of resistance, I'm not making this up. We should only be using lower case letters. So I guess they're going to canyonize E.E. Cummings next. Okay, so actually um, talked about E.E. Cummings about apparently he used to write it with lowercase or something. Yeah, everything was lowercase. Right, for but he did it for a specific reason or something. But they mentioned that in the article. But this is the new thing. Capitalization is oppression. Can I start I, saying my my grammar, my choice? My <laughs> <laughs> grammar is racist, by the way, because it's very white. That is the second hashtag I'm putting up from today. My my grammar, my I mean we are we are in such insane, insane territory that I, I can't even fathom. Who is it? Somebody just quit an Oregon professorship because they said it's just total 100% um, leftist indoctrination right now. But no, it is interesting because LGBTQ is still capitalized, isn't it? Uh-oh. Not for long. <laughs> no, but I know we keep, I keep bringing up hypocrisy and it just really is profound, but no, just for a second. The words that they use about the Texas law really are, it's a woman's right. And it's, and they say how this is about men controlling women and it's all about control. Those are the words that they use. And yet they literally want to control words and spelling and they see no they want to control problem everything. with coming and say, but <laughs> we want to control words. We want to control what you say. We want to control what you do. We, they don't have any problem with control when it's them being the controllers. When it's them being the controlled, it's, of course, horrifying. 
And listen, I agree with them. I have no interest in controlling them, but I assure as heck, I'm not going to sit back as they can try to control me or others either. I have, Jody, I have an assignment for you. Excuse me. I have a question for our attorney. Some of us probably lost a lot of points on tests early on in our education, which has affected our entire career trajectories, if not our self-esteem and our need for psychotherapy. If this ever becomes law, will you help represent us um, and sue for damages that we lost points on tests for miscapitalizing things? Why do you need an attorney? You can just do that yourself. You can practice law all by yourself. There's no Speak law. for yourself. My grammar has always been perfect. Well, I don't know. I want to get those points back. I want them to pay for my psychotherapy from what this did to my self-esteem because I did use capitals and I was punished if I didn't use them correctly. If so. his grades were a little better, he might have I gotten into Harvard. BLM BLM is not allowed to be. BLM, they can't. That's all caps. Well, we're going to have to change. But again, you know, this kind of goes back to what I said about the AOC and the, and the pregnant men, et cetera. The, the contradictions in what yeah. they're doing is so blatant, so flagrant, <laughs> but you don't know whether to laugh or cry. No, this is what I cannot wrap my head around. How is it? Again, I so understand being manipulated by media and the culturalism. I get it. But at some point... It's so absurd that the, the I, that so many people not only don't wake up, get but get more extreme with it. So many. If it was a really small number, I'd be like, okay, well, there's you know always going to be a small number of crazies. But that it is so ubiquitous in the United States in 2021, it's flabbergasting. I cannot seriously wrap my head around it. The only thing, as I said, I can keep coming back to is somehow. Um, greed and hatred have become so rampant in that population that greed and hatred literally blinds you to anything. Greed and hatred that they are so consumed by greed and hatred, they can't see anything else. Yeah, I don't think more I don't think that's authoritarianism. I think it is, I do think that they want to control the world. Number one, we need a mass right. mandate. I, there's there's something as, in a person that would bring you to wanting to control the world. There's something inside you that says that controlling the world is a good thing. And I'm just saying, I'm guessing, I think it's greed and hatred that there's so, wants them to control people that they can't even see no, anything I, rational beyond. I think it's, root, it's rooted in the fact that they think they're morally virtuous in what they're doing. You know, I, I don't, I don't think- Where does that come from? No, but the, it I comes still from a, a, a warped philosophical it. point of view. Is where um, I forget which of the great psychologists said it, you know, with Freud, everything was sex. But with one of the original um, fathers of psychology, it was the need for power. And people who don't feel controlled internally have to have that external control. There's a great quote in House of which Cards. It comes about, from greed and hatred. What's, Sorry, the, what's the quote? He's in House of Cards. Um, Frank Underwood at some point says, at least for men, everything is about sex and sex is about power. Um, like while he's, you know, banging one of the younger porters and cheating on his wife, obviously. Um, anyway, so you know how I've written six books already this year? It's one of your one of your turns. Um, who wants to write a book about hypocrisy? There's obviously uh, plenty of material, like 28 trillion things. Someone's got to write a whole book about a recent hypocrisy. My second mandate is that we all need to start wearing masks as a virtue signal, but also because they actually have an effect. Um, as the you know, uh, editor in chief and everything, everyone should wear a mask because these things get so dirty. They pick up so many bacteria and viruses. 
they actually improve your immune system because you're putting a lot of dirt and crap on your face and it gets your immune system really strong because you're exposed to a lot of pathogens. So if you want strong immune systems, wear one of these dirty masks. I've been using this for a long time and it's my immune system is doing great. All right, I think his head did explode. Um, Ed, you sent the story out several days ago, which I want you to address together with the second story, something about the New York Fed no longer reporting GDP or something and how you've been saying- The New York Fed is not gonna be tracking GDP anymore. And I I thought that that was really noteworthy because that's one of the things that they're supposed to be doing. And- Well, is GDP racist? And it's capitalism. It's all capitalized. And it's capitalized. I mean, it's capitalized. Capitalized capitalism. (laughs) I just, I wanted to connect that story to another story from this week that, um, you know, the unemployment, the extended unemployment benefits got canceled this week or weren't, were not extended. And that's not so much of an, the lack of extension is not that much of a story because there were states that were rejecting it and there were, you know, are, there are certainly arguments that the labor shortage that a lot of states are facing is a result of those extended unemployments. But what I think was noteworthy was that there were no howls of, of, of opposition from AOC or from, from anyone in the Democrat Party. They, they let it go very quietly and very easily. Um, and yeah. I, I sent you that, you know, I sent you the, that, I, that thought with uh, connecting those stories, because I think it indicates to me that they know something big is coming and maybe they're even fomenting something big coming. Um, I've been talking about, you know, them, them needing some big event to create a digital currency next year. Um, I still think that's coming. I think that digital surveillance is, is becoming more and more widespread and that's coming. I know you shared an article about that before we came on the air today. Uh, But I, I connect those two stories because uh, like I said, I think that it, it indicates that there's an economic, uh, a negative economic event coming and they want it to be a surprise. They don't want it. Uh, they want to take advantage of the crisis that it's going to create. That's basically what my thought was on that. I want to read just a drop of this story that you just referenced. Imagine living in a world. Wait a minute. Wasn't that a John Lennon song? Imagine <laughs> living in a world where every one of your non-cash financial transactions a restaurant meal, a Venmo transfer, maybe Bitcoin bought on the dips, whatever that means, was automatically reported to a beefed up audit hungry IRS. And apparently they're saying that this is written into one of these big bills and this financial surveillance system. So when I saw that article, I related it to what you talk about, Ed, about something coming. Is this the thing that's coming? I think you're talking about something even beyond this. Um, but this, I do. I think there's going to be a negative, uh, you know, some sort of economic crisis. Whether it's, you know, the, you know, it could come from the uh, end of the eviction moratorium. You could wind up with a lot of people, a lot of renters being kicked out. You could wind up with a lot of defaults on mortgages. Um, there are, you know, you could wind up with foreclosures. I, I'm not sure what the the cataclysmic event is going to be, but I think that there's a big event that's coming. And it's going to be that big event is going to be the and they'll blame capitalism for it while they usher in more government, as they always do. Okay, I'm going to ask the same question I've asked before: Who is running the show? 
who is running the show. I, I don't know that there's one person. I think it's the Obama team. Uh, but who, the, you know, who the, you know, who the Wizard of Oz really is, I'm not sure. You know, I don't know who's the one behind the, the curtain, but he's a bloviating big mouth, whoever he is. And, or uh, she. Or Z. You really, you really think a woman or, is capable of that level non, of evil, Joe? The non-binary person. Have you watched any of Hillary Clinton? <laughs> I'm not sure she's a woman, but good point well taken. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you only say that because she acts like a man. You know, a lot of people say Obama's behind it. I don't feel that. I mean, I have no evidence whatsoever. I, just, I don't either. I'm not sure why. My gut doesn't tell me. My gut tells me he's well, a pawn Because too, Obama but... doesn't strike me as a smart man. He doesn't yes, seem like that's he's why, capable me too. of... He's also the he's a lazy He's a self-described. I think he's lazy too. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know if it has to be one person necessarily. It's we know it's a massive conglomerate of evil sociopathic leftists. But who? Somebody's. I, I mean, a lot of people don't agree to run anything. There has to be two or three people instructing Biden which questions to take and telling him which bills to push. Is it Pelosi or is somebody even running? His cabinet first? is probably his cabinet. I mean. I don't have any massive reason to suspect that that they're all figureheads. I don't know them all very well, but there's them. It's you know, it's the cabinet, it's the DNC, it's other big leadership, other big donors and lobbyists. It's probably a big team. Yeah, I don't know. Do uh, you are y'all following this story came out yesterday that they're firing all these academy visitors? I'm not even exactly sure what those posts are. People like Sean Spicer. Um, and other people were appointed as the board members of the military academies. And apparently they're appointed for three-year terms by the president. And Biden just announced that he's firing all of them. Did anybody see that story? No. I didn't see it, but that's certainly interesting. And it's something that Trump should have done and never did. Well, Trump, when he started firing people, got in a lot of trouble, if I remember correctly, because president's not allowed to fire appointees unless they're Democrats. But I'm not sure if this is a big story or not. I know it would be a big story if Bush or Trump did it. Yeah. But again, they don't seem to have trouble cleaning up house when they come into power. But again, I don't know who the they is. I really don't know. Uh, on a tangential note, I believe Biden was trying to push to have Kelly and Conway uh, removed from a board that she's on. Right. Well. She's one of them. Exactly. One is Kelly and Conway. One is Sean Spicer. Apparently, um, Jen Psaki circled back and um, dissed. Yeah. Spicer service to the country. Apparently, he is a Navy commander, and he shot back. But I, again, I just don't know who the we is, who the they is. So people say, so uh, I think I think Alu is right. I think it's a cabal of leftists. It's not necessarily one person. It's not. It's not necessarily just George Soros or, or somebody. I think it's it's a cabal of leftists that are pushing this agenda. But I do get the feeling that that most of the people we see on TV are empty suits. Biden is an empty suit. Pelosi is an empty suit. She's like 82 trillion years old and she's full of Botox. Um, Schumer is probably an empty suit, has no principles. Um, Bernie Sanders probably has some principles, but most of them, Cortez is literally an actress. Uh, like most of them, I get the feeling they're, they're empty and they are puppets. So someone is pulling some strings. I'm just not sure. I, I think it's a big, big group of people. Whoever's got the do re me. Who has money? Yep. The golden rule, as we say. All right, so we're going to start wrapping up and let everybody talk about what they didn't get a chance to talk about.
Well, I, I'm not totally prepared to wrap up because I think we, uh, the one thing that we need to talk about is Afghanistan is 9-11. Uh, we're on the cusp of the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And um, as somebody who lives in New Jersey, who was just miles away from the attack when it happened, I worked in Fort Lee at the time. Um, you know, considering where we are at this point in time, I, I just can't help but really sympathize with the 9-11 families, um, the people who have died subsequent to 9-11. Um, all the soldiers that we sent to Afghanistan and what turned out to be a nation building effort, all of them that lost their lives and have been maimed uh, while fighting for our country. I just, I just can't believe where we are after 20 years. And while it's easy to blame Biden and he deserves all the blame in the world for the pullout and what's happened, you know, we have to go back to the beginning and realize that the entire mission was flawed from the outset. The entire idea of a war on terrorism, fighting a tactic, was completely wrongheaded. There was no way to really untie uh, the, the Taliban from Al-Qaeda. And I, th I think the lesson here, too, is when you fight a war, you have to have an enemy and you have to vanquish that enemy. You have to bring them to their knees and they have to surrender. And uh, unfortunately, that's not the way we approached it. We paid a dear price for it. Um, you know, obviously a lot of people, a lot of families have, have felt that pain, um, but we have gotten nothing for it at this point. And in fact, I, I'd have to say, given the, the Patriot Act and things that happened after 9-11, we've only lost more liberty based on that 20-year war that we've fought. I just want to add to that. I agree with everything you said, but we did gain something. We did learn that Islam is a religion of peace. <laughs> How long did it take George well, Bush to declare Islam was a religion of peace after the, uh, I won't even say after the fires went out because I don't think they were out. Exactly. And we I lost that right then. I believe it was all over when he said that the first time and declared his war on terror while he was on the phone making sure the Saudi Arabians could get out of the country. And I think everything sacrificed after that is just pure sadness. Yep. Uh, agreed listen. on agreed on all that. I think that not only was the war on terror, war on a tactic, a problem, but Bush's forward strategy of freedom was flawed from the from the get go. I've talked about that on this show. Um, I think I think that you know we talk a lot about how words matter on this show. The last time we got unconditional surrender was was the end of World War II in 1945. And what happened shortly after 1945, I think it was 1947, the Department of War was renamed the Department of Defense. And words matter. You know, we talk about words matter on this show all the time. And a Department of War is, is an offensive, aggressive, you know, we go out and we kill kind of department. Purpose. And a Department of Defense is defensive. It, it's not about going and, and striking an enemy. It's about defending the homeland, defending the border, We're leaving aside that we're not defending the borders. Um, I think it's not coincidental that since that we haven't gotten unconditional surrender since the War Department was renamed the Defense Department. I hear what you're saying and the point oh, is well <laughs> taken, but I, I um, don't want to say, you know, endorse offense going out there and killing people for no reason. Like, I, I understand... Um, I think what you mean to say is if we're going to do a war, if we're going to have a war, let's win it. 
Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Not like thus play defense. Thus be a shield. You need you need a sword too. Like again, and George Orwell said, "The war is not meant to be won. It's meant to be continuous. Continuous war, as we all know." And I'm learning the more I, I read and listen and understand Ron Paul and how he explains how the Federal Reserve and money printing and funding all the wars is so related to perpetual war and it justifies infinite violations of liberty, but also infinite printing of money. And if not for them being able to print their own money, they couldn't pay all the contractors and buy all the weapons for war. And once we, you know, end the dollar, we can probably end all the wars because they can't afford to pay for them anymore. So it's all related. And yeah, I think I think I'm almost optimistic that a lot of people in the United States are waking up and realizing the war is meant to be perpetual. We always have to have a perpetual either Oceania right. or Eurasia or whatever. We always have to have a perpetual uh enemy so that they can they can you know focus our attention on the enemy divide and conquer type deal and not focus on the real criminals in washington dc so yeah it's going to be continuous forever if they wanted to be the taliban in 20 years they could have done it if they wanted to win a war against a few goat herders they could have done it 20 years the most powerful military in history of existence five ten trillion dollars uh you know literally all the resources in the history of humanity for 20 years they could have won the war they did not want to and i will stand firm on that point unless proven otherwise they did not want to win the war it's going to be continuous forever the bedrock supporters of the military have have been the conservatives and the people on the right. And I think those are the people that are being lost right now. In, in their support of war is being lost. The Democrats have always been sort of, um, uh, what's the right word, uh, dis deceitful in, in, in their support of war. They, they didn't support war against the Soviet Union. They didn't support war against fighting real enemies. But like you say, they're, they're for the continuous war. They're for, you know, especially now that they're on the boards at Raytheon and, and uh, McDonnell Douglas, they're all for uh, keeping, keeping those contracts flowing to their people. Um, but one other thing that I just wanted to say, uh, you know, Mike, you mentioned that, you know, Biden is responsible, you know, deserves a lot of blame. I, I don't think we should let the show go without mentioning that he's bringing in tens, if not hundreds of thousands of Afghan Afghanis yeah. uh, without vetting, without COVID screening, without anything, uh, while we have American citizens on planes that can't get clearance to land either on American bases in other countries or in the United States. And the State Department is yeah. blocking those American citizens from getting out of Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, well, so I don't listen, I know um, we also had a heated debate about whether we should be staying and putting our military in harm's way to get people out. And I think you took the other side of that argument, but I just want to say, I have to commend a lot of these former military and people like Glenn Beck who are really heroes sacrificing themselves to try to get in there and get people out. Yeah. Can we talk about that? How we have literally a U.S. military with literally infinite money and nearly infinite resources who can't even get people out. And we have private former spec ops guys privately funding, which costs, it's hard to get a million dollars on your own. For the government, it's literally nothing. For private people getting millions from philanthropists like Glenn Beck and spec ops people going in, actually getting airplanes chartering or getting semi-legal airplanes into Afghanistan and evacuating Americans on their own, like it's called Operation Pineapple Express or something. And they, we should talk about that because, again, everything is done better by private individuals than government, including like military government operations. Even, even that is done so poorly by the government, as we see with Biden's terrible withdrawal that, you know, the, the private citizens can do better. The problem isn't, though, that, that the government is doing it. The problem is who's running the government. I mean, Biden wants this to happen. I mean, you don't you don't surrender 
Bagram Air Force Base and try and use Kabul Airport if you're really trying to evacuate people. You yeah. don't evacuate the military before you evacuate the weaponry and the citizenry and the, and the civilians. I mean, it was done so... The mistakes that were made are just not possible to be mistakes. They had to have been deliberate attempts to subvert our civilian people back that are left there and to arm the Taliban after we left. Uh, and there's he, just no other explanation. He, he better take a long nap, one of his long naps on Saturday, because I don't think he wants to be seen in public on 9-11. But... Oh, he's coming to New York, I heard. Oh, that, that's going to be wonderful. I'm sure the I'm sure the families will welcome him with open arms. One somebody from New Jersey, I believe, um, a family member said, "Please don't come." But the last I saw a headline was that he's planning to come here. Doesn't are, matter. Are there, again, he's a puppet, empty suit. He's got the men's shell. He's empty shell. Yeah. Are, are the families oh, going going to be um, on Ground Zero to uh, call out everybody's name this year, or is that not happening? I have no idea. And by the way, as we all know, when the president is anywhere, no one could be anywhere nearby. And I think that's really sad. I don't think it's dementia, though. I think it's deliberate on the part of his handlers. I, I said to you, I, I predicted last week, I think that they've decided he's he's his usefulness is coming to an end. And I think they're doing everything they can to undermine him. And he's just too stupid and demented to understand that. I'm going to go with all of the above. Jody, you had a point. Uh, so no, I was just going to highlight on something that that Ed said when you were talking about, you know, yeah, they they want to do military, they don't they don't want to do it well, as we've seen with Afghanistan. And I want to take that even further. I mean, in most, they don't want to solve problems; they actually want to perpetuate them. Look, never let a crisis go to waste. Democrat states look at the inner cities where they're solving poverty and yet they have the highest supplemental poverty rate, where they're solving violence and yet they have the high violence rates, where they're solving um, segregation, except they have the highest segregation rates, where they're solving all these things, except they're not solving them. They want to do these things for the purpose of transferring wealth and power. It is not for solving the problems. And it's the same, I guess, for waking up in military. They don't actually want to win wars or solve global problems. They just want to pretend that they're doing it for the purpose of transfer of money and power into the elite pockets. And it's obvious that the federal government is going to use this crisis created by the federal government to bring in, I don't know, maybe a few hundred thousand Afghan refugees. Again, the word refugee is like racism. It means nothing at all to me. I don't give a crap anymore. You know, it means nothing. They say everyone in the world's a refugee. I don't care anymore. Um, Yeah, I know things are bad caused by the Taliban, AKA the US government, um, they're gonna bring in hundreds of thousands of these and force every state governor, unless maybe DeSantis stands up to them, I doubt anyone else will, they'll force state governors to accept maybe 10, 15,000 refugees, just like with the Somalians. And, you know, call me a racist, but maybe I don't want to have 10,000 um, Afghans as my neighbors if they are um, super duper intense fundamentalists and or terrorists, or just refuse to assimilate. As we've seen by a lot of these people from the Middle East, they refuse to assimilate. And as we've said, their lifestyle is incompatible with most, you know, American towns. And maybe I don't want to, you know, maybe I live in a neighborhood that I live in for a reason. And Biden forcing us to accept them, which I'm sure New Hampshire will, and I'm sure I'm sure Sununu will accept them all with open arms. I think they already are out in uh, one of our Air Force bases accepting refugees coming in. Um, yep. So the only way to prevent that is going to be to stand up and or secede from the union. Like DeSantis is eventually going to say, I refuse to take them. And they'll say, OK, well, we're not going to give you any more federal funds. Then DeSantis will have to secede if he doesn't want to accept, you know, a million 
Afghan refugees. We don't know who they are. And we do know that they are very likely to assimilate to anything about the United States, most especially freedom. If we're going to bring in any refugees, I think that they should be Australians and New Zealanders. And Cubans. Well, okay, you say that, but there's a reason why Australia became Australia. And I'm not one to just assume they've learned their lesson because that's not always how it works in the United States when people flee Illinois and New York and start going to vote. It's like, you didn't wake up, you fled, but you, you didn't learn. So I I'm hear just you. saying, that's why I said, I hear you. And that's why I said, if we're going to accept any, I would certainly take, be more, much more willing to take my chances on unvetted Australians and unvetted New Zealanders than I would unvetted Afghanis. I guess. I know we're running short on time. We're going to have tyranny. Huh? As long as any government exists, tyranny is inevitable. Some are a little better than others. Florida is better than New York, certainly. But as long as we have government, we're going to have tyranny and we can't have liberty. You can't have liberty and government together. And well, we'll have to save that. that debate on anarchism for another show. But yeah. the, the one story that I wanted to mention before we go is um, the, the Chinese press, the Chinese government announced in the last week that uh, they're banning effeminate men on TV in China. And I thought it was a noteworthy story because I think they are masculine. They're trying to make their men more masculine while we're trying to make our men more feminine and we're trying to make our women more masculine. Uh, there was also a story this week about uh, requiring women to, to sign up for selective service for the draft. Uh, again, we're trying to masculinize to make our women more masculine and our men more feminine. And that's got consequences culturally and politically and militarily. And, um, you know, China is, is preparing for war. They are preparing to, to fight us and they're making their men into fighters. And we are making our men and our fighters into not fighters. To, to, you know, I don't want to use a word. <laughs> nice, that's, uh, nice little run. That was good. <laughs> you know, I know we're not governed by the FCC here, but I, I didn't want to use a word that might get me in trouble some other place. I but wouldn't have been offended. I'm more afraid of, of my dad than the FCC. <laughs> I think what's so sad is that we have to be afraid even to discuss this subject. Right, totally. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm a wimp. If there is a physical war, I'm one of the first dead because I'll be like, what? I'm going to go hide behind a tree. That's about, I have not a violent bone in my body. So I but You're not supposed the, to fight, Jody. I'm, you're I'm a... for the gender. I'm all, I totally think the gender thing is a natural. And women who want to act like men, fine. Men who want to act like women, fine. But let's understand the reality of that, the, the sort of gender differences that are in, in, in Jody, you're not supposed to be a warrior. You're supposed to be a beauty queen. That's it. Men are supposed to defend you. I'm glad I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say women also have a responsibility to make babies, but then we'll really get canceled. <laughs> All right, folks, on that high note, we will wrap it up for today. I'm sorry about the change time. We will be on hopefully Tuesday morning again at 10 o'clock. This has to do with the season of Jewish holidays in which I am very much caught up at the moment. 
We will be up very shortly as a podcast. And thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, right, everybody. Guys. Shana Tova. Happy New Year to all our Jewish listeners.